0: And we're back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for always tuning in. You guys are fantastic. And thank you for all the support in sharing these episodes with people that are struggling, people that need help, or they just need to feel inspired. Um, I'm getting feedback from so many people on how good that has been for them. So thank you for doing that. Continue to do so. And, you know, I'm just so blessed that I get to bring in some amazing people who get vulnerable and share their, you know, at times horrific stories, um, and what they're doing to get through it and overcome it. And it's just inspiring to me. And I, I'm the spoiled one because I get to sit here face to face. And, um, today, uh, is no different. We're joined with, uh, Yvonne Rogers. I said it correct, right? Yes, you did. Yes. Yvonne, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You bet. Uh, you guys are going to be, it's the story is going to just hit you in your heart. Uh, like no other. But before we get there, I want to thank our sponsors: Wasatch Recovery, Siegfried Jensen, Thread Wallets, uh, Mountain West Spine and Orthopedics, uh, Living Recovery Interventions, and Veracity Networks. Guys, thank you so much for s- sponsoring this and allowing um, this to grow because of because of what you guys you know do and believe in me. So thank you for doing that. And uh, but. Uh, to get started here just a little background um you know yvonne is a uh, domestic violence advocate because she has gone through domestic violence herself and her story is a tough one to listen to honestly um she has dealt with addiction and meth and heroin and um you know you've been eight years clean and sober now is that correct my son has. or your son has excuse my son me has. i saw yeah i missed that part uh yeah my but son. Uh, you had a son that's gone through addiction Um, you've been married uh, to someone who was struggling with addiction, I mean, the list goes on. There's so much here to say. So I think what we're gonna do is let's start off, uh, Yvonne, by just tell us a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about your childhood, just to get to know you a little bit and then we'll get into your story. Um,
1: I grew up in Hooper, I'm the oldest of six, came from a very staunch LDS family, so uh, we had a lot of rules, Growing up LDS, um, my parents, very kind, loving, hardworking, um, taught us very hard work ethics. Mm -hmm. And uh, me being the oldest, I was the caretaker. And so that carried over into my marriages that I felt I had to be the caretaker and pleaser. Okay. And I think that carried over into my marriages. And then I'm the mother of three children. I have um, one daughter and two sons. And then I have two granddaughters and one grandson. Isn't that the best? (laughs) They're my world. Yeah. (laughs) I call them the rewards for not killing my children.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I have two grandchildren myself and it really is. It's the greatest thing ever. It really truly is. It
1: is. They uh, make my world.
0: Yeah. That's awesome.
1: They're pretty wonderful and my kids are all doing great now and I have uh, three wonderful, well I have two grand, I have two daughter-in-laws and one uh, daughter what do you call it <laughs> when grand well what do you call it my daughter's mm. husband he's wonderful too yeah, so. son-in-law son-in-law yeah, there thank we go. you yes. I, can, yeah. Yeah.
0: I always get that stuff mixed up yes, too yes
1: and he's awesome so they're all happily married and doing very well.
0: well that's gotta feel good as a mom right yes right
1: and that's it's taken a while for them to get there but yeah. they're all doing well yeah um uh, my son like I said he went through meth addiction. Yeah, that's tough. And it w- I didn't think he was going to make it, but he did and he tells his story all the time yeah. and I thought it I was going to lose him, but
0: Boy, I bet.
1: He made it through and he is doing great and he's been clean and sober now for 8 years.
2: Wow.
0: Well so. that congrats to your son. Uh, I know he's going to listen to this so props to you and yes. that really is amazing cuz a lot of times we hear the other the opposite of that. Yes, and he so. did
1: lose a couple of friends.
0: Sure. Yeah. And
1: that was very hard for him yeah. and part of it he doesn't remember when I talked to him about things like this. Mm-hmm. Cuz I did get per- permission to share his story and he said absolutely. And That's good. so um it's think, very hard as a mother to know that I could have lost him,
0: yeah, man, yeah, that's a scary thing, and you know, but again i'm I'm really happy he where he's at and uh I'm sure with with him sharing his story, it's helping a lot of people as well, yes, and that's the beautiful thing about sharing your story, and that's really why you're here today, yes. right is you you have this passion right now to share your story. It's hard to listen to because of what you went through mental mental abuse emotional abuse physical abuse yes and the list goes on but uh you know let's just talk about that i mean you obviously you weren't seeking for these things and but no. you got married and just kind of take it from there and tell us what happened and and then you know we'll talk about why you're so passionate about helping others through this
1: well i had known in my whole life um and for me an addict i thought well an alcoholic i thought someone was someone that drank hard liquor yeah? and he never drank hard liquor. He just had beer.
0: Yeah.
1: So I thought, oh, that's not an alcoholic. And (laughs) I didn't grow up drinking, you know, I I grew up very, (laughs) very naive, I guess. And I never drank. And I still to this day, I'll have a drink once in a while, but I don't like to drink to get drunk. And I never have. I've never liked the taste of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And he never went without having a beer in his hand. And I realized slowly over time that he was an alcoholic. And he would drink and drink and drink. And he could not have fun if he didn't have a drink in his hand. And so then coming around my family, they accepted him, the drinking, and he was very nice, very friendly, treated me wonderful. But then slowly over time, behind closed doors, um, the pushing and shoving started happening. Mm. And it started slowly, but never in front of people. He treated me like a queen. And we had a lot in common.
0: So people would have been surprised.
1: Absolutely. Like,
0: oh, really? We we don't see any of that, right? Absolutely. And
1: I never told anybody. Mm. I never told anybody. Yeah. And it just continued to get worse. And then his mother lived. We had a mother-in-law apartment, and his mother lived there. And things started happening with her, and... She became afraid of him and so she moved out, and he called her the C word. Okay. And he called me that. And so I thought, he has no respect for women. Yeah. And it just continued worse and worse. And then the physical started and it became worse and worse. And then it came down to where I didn't know who I was going to come home to Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. And so I started getting anxiety. I couldn't sleep at night. I was losing weight. I mean, he would say the most hurtful things to me. And I remember one day I asked him, why would you say the things that you do to me? Mm-hmm. And he said, it's because I know it hurts you. Wow. And so I remember, I wasn't going to let him hurt me emotionally after that. It's like, I put my emotions in a box and locked them away
0: okay
1: and because i had cared up to then what he thought of me he, i mean he was my best friend oh, i would sure. come home every day and we would talk after work yeah and there was this female in the relationship that he would text all the time and i always heard her name and i always heard her name and i always heard her name and i finally said why don't you just go marry her and he's like well What are you jealous of her? And I said, Yeah, I am, because you're talking about things with her that you should be discussing with me. Right. And it ended up later that he's with her now. So Mm. he was probably there was stuff going on. Yes. And so there was that insecurity, and he would always flip things on me. And that's what narcissistic personalities do. I can't say that he's diagnosed as that, Mm -hmm. but he definitely has the traits of that. Right. And I remember him asking me, do you not trust me? And he would always put it back on me. And finally, one day I said, are you trustworthy? And he didn't know what to say to that. And I didn't realize how much he would turn things around on me. Oh, you ruined my day. You made it so I couldn't do this. You know, it was always about me instead of what he had done. He would flip it. And I didn't realize that. And I didn't realize that. And I didn't realize that. And then the night that this happened, um, Friday I'd gone because we worked both out on base. And I'd gone over. I'd got up. We always got off early on Friday. And I went over to his work to say hello to him. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what a wife does. Yeah. And he was fine until we got home. And then he just got mad at me for no reason. (laughs) How dare you show up early at my work unannounced. I'm like, hmm, do you have something to hide? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we mm-hmm. had a Rottweiler, and she had to go to the doc, um, the vet about mm-hmm. 4.30. So I let him take her. And I went to my mom and dad's and thought maybe that'll give him time to cool off. Well, when yeah. I got home later, I asked him how she was. And he goes, well, if you wanted to know, you should have gone. Or you can call the vet. Didn't simmer him off at all. And I remember I went to walk up to him and he said he come close to me and he got out of his chair and got up and closed fist and come at me and said, I will hit you. And I knew he meant it. So yeah. I just didn't speak to him the rest of the night. Yeah. Went upstairs, went to bed and the next morning we woke up and he just started in on me. So he went out in the garage, the man cave. We had a six car separate garage. Mm-hmm. Got up, did my usual cleaning and he came in and just started on me. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? And I just ignored him because I couldn't even walk away from the argument anymore. He would right. follow me. He'd follow me. Yeah. And so I remember just getting everything done, the laundry, the house cleaning. And then I went grocery shopping, come back, started fixing dinner. And then I took my dog for a walk. And I'm very, I don't go to church, but I'm very, Spiritual,
0: spiritual person. Yeah.
1: And I see things yeah. and I always have. Yeah. And when I was walking my dog, I had a premonition and I saw myself laying on the ground with him over me bloody. And so when I got home, I put dinner away because he wasn't going to come in and eat because sometimes he'd come in and throw it away. He'd throw it in the sink. He'd throw it in the garbage. So I put it away. So he couldn't do that. Yeah. And then he came in a little bit later and he started in on me again. I told him I wanted a divorce. I had decided yeah, I couldn't take couldn't it, anymore. it anymore. Couldn't do it anymore, yeah. And so I remember him getting up off the couch and I thought he was gonna go upstairs Well he come charging at me and shoved me with both hands like a football linebacker Jeez. in my chest and sent me flying and it broke my arm. I fell on it and it was an obvious fracture. Oh. And I was sitting there on the floor cradling my arm and I don't even know where my phone was but somehow it was next to me. And I'm laying there cradling my arm, screaming. And he would never acknowledge that he broke my arm. And he was calling me the C word and the B word and telling me that my arm wasn't broken. And he would give me something to cry about. And he went upstairs. He goes, I'll show you something to cry about. And he went upstairs. And he come back down and I heard the ratcheting of a shotgun. Oh, my God. And as he come around, he had that shotgun and he pointed it at me. And I blanked that out for a long time and see I didn't tell that yeah. to the police because I did I was so worried about him. Like most victims, they yeah. protect their abusers. They do, yeah. I did not want him to lose his job because he worked up on hill. Just like I did. He had a security clearance. Yeah. Then he sat down next to me and put the gun under his chin and said, all I have to do is pull the trigger and one bullet and I can blow my head off and I'm done. And I told him I didn't care. I said, go ahead and do it. And I don't think he expected me
0: to say that. To yeah. say
1: that. And so then he sat there and then I, and then I said, I don't want you to kill, you know? Yeah then he got up and then i got my phone which i don't i don't remember how it was there and i called my son my son didn't answer then i called my dad and i told my dad i needed him and then i think i called 911 and then he said oh if we weren't going to get divorced before we're getting divorced now and i said well what did you think was going to happen right Because I said, do you think I was going to lie for you when I went to the hospital? Because they were certainly going to ask what happened. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah.
1: Um, So I ended up, um, when I read through the report, my dad came, and I expected, you know, the police and that to come in. Well, they didn't Hmm. because of the gun. So my Hmm. dad came in, Okay. and I guess I was refusing to go out. I don't remember any of that. I do remember I was worried about them shooting my dog because she was a Rottweiler. Yeah, right, yeah. (laughs) I remember that. And then they took me to the hospital, and I had to wait two weeks to have surgery. I had to have nine screws and a plate put in. And it's permanently disabled my wrist um, that I do not have full capability of it. I have CRPS, which I'm in constant pain. It's like in boiling hot water. Yeah,
0: yeah, they call that, uh, I've heard it called the the suicide disease.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It is the most horrible and there's no cure for it.
0: I had a lady on my podcast, Amberly Lago, and she um, was in a motorcycle accident and mm-hmm. she got the same thing in her leg and she deals with it every day and she talked about that. That's how I got to know more about that. So for you to be dealing that with your wrist. And then I,
1: mean, I had a drunk driver rear end me. And oh, so it moved it all the way up to my shoulder. So my shoulder's frozen in place and then it made my wrist even worse. Wow. So Right now,
0: so for our listeners, you know, she she has it, you know, in a brace and then her arms in a sling as well. And, and, uh,
1: and it's all because he decided to put his hand on me. Yeah. So yeah. I fight with those emotions every day because I was able to work. And now because of what he did, I'm not able to work. So that's been something that I fight with every day because I've never not worked my whole life. Yeah, right. So now um, it's taken me a long time to forgive him. I don't hate him. It just makes me angry that he um, goes on like nothing's happened. He, Mm -hmm. um, He did plea bargain, which he should have been charged with a felony. He broke the protective order four times before he was sentenced wow. and they only charged him with two misdemeanors
0: wow.
1: and the, um,
0: and he only served about 30 days, he, right?
1: Ther- yeah, he was charged with two misdemeanors. He should have been charged with a felony cause he permanently disabled me and he mm-hmm. used a gun and she did it wow. and he already had a previous domestic violence conviction and she totally ignored it. And so the police officer went back in the house with my dad and found the loaded shotgun, and it was fully loaded with all five shells in it. Right. And one in the chamber. So the police officer was surprised and gave the gun to my dad because he wanted him t- My ex wanted my dad to have the gun because he knew if the police took it, he would never get it back. So he yeah. had 17 guns. So when we got divorced um in the divorce decree it stated that he could he was given the weapons but i didn't know the laws about a restricted person being convicted of domestic violence and having a protective order on him and then uh, the prosecutor did not tell me about a criminal protective order another lady did the only time you can put a criminal protective order on is at the time of sentencing when they're convicted of domestic violence. Uh, so uh, thank heavens, a friend stepped in and told me about that. So yeah. I have a criminal protective order on him. That's a lifetime protective order.
0: Wow. I didn't, yeah, I knew nothing about that either.
1: And on protective orders, there is a little box that the judge has to check that states if they can have weapons or not. Otherwise, law if that box is not checked, law enforcement will not enforce them not having a weapon, hmm. even though the state law and federal law says they can't have weapons.
2: Hmm.
1: Is that not That's oxymoron? So, yeah, it's a it's little so loophole. <laughs> yeah. And then it states what other weapons they can or can't have. And if the judge does not fill in what other weapons, then they will not enforce that either, even though the state law goes in very detailed of what they can and cannot have. Yeah. Wow. Because he then went out, while he was on probation, put bows and arrows for sale. Well, it specifically states he can't. So because my order did not state that, the prosecutor would not prosecute him. Even though he's a restricted person for domestic violence, and it states that they would not prosecute him. Oh, my gosh. So my mission is to get the protective order changed so that that box is automatically checked, and it states, please refer to the state laws to what any and all other weapons are. Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is one
1: thing. So my criminal protective order did not have the box checked and did not say that. So he just tried... Last year, and it took all year long to get the Civil Protective Order dismissed. He lost. Mm. And I found the reasoning was exactly that. He could have his weapons because my Criminal Protective Order does not have that checked. Wow. So before this, he then took me to contempt of court because had, he had threatened me about the guns, about the guns. who won the guns because I had... Had possession of the guns I removed them from the safe in our home he took me to court to get possession of his 17 guns and I'd finally turned them into sheriff's department he took me for contempt of court he was awarded custody of all 17 of those guns and I was ordered to pay attorney fees I am the victim of him
0: But now you're being victimized again, it sounds like. And
1: so I had a friend that was an attorney general, and Mm -hmm. I contacted her. She said that is an illegal order. She said I needed a new attorney. (laughs) Yeah. And so I tried through legal aid to find somebody that would help me, because I had 14 days to respond to that order. Mm Mm-hmm because I had a very nice attorney, very nice man. He just did not understand domestic violence to help me write an order. And he goes, well, at least you weren't held in contempt. I said, I was. Yeah. And he meant, well, at least you weren't put in jail. And I'm like, he got his guns back.
0: Yeah, it, to you that had nothing to do with it. It was about him getting guns. And
1: I was just, yeah. I was having nightmares, you know. Um, At first I was ordered to go get the guns and then I had a panic attack and the judge saw that there's no way I could have gone and got the guns so she ordered his attorney to get them. So the Attorney General gave me the US Attorney's phone number and said to call him and the US Attorney got me in touch with an ATF agent. The ATF agent said he cannot, he cannot have control, he cannot have possession, he cannot say where those guns go. He he has to exist. Li- act like those guns do not exist. Mm-hmm. And he cannot transfer ownership. And we even argued transfer. Doesn't mean transfer like transporting, but transfer ownership, ownership. of those g- guns. Right. And so I found a new attorney. Um, I wrote my own objection to her ruling. I went to the law library. And I filed it, and the commissioner actually tried hearing her own ruling. (laughs) (laughs) Really? And I said, that's not how it works. It goes, commissioner, judge, Utah Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court. That's how you'd go. And so the attorney that I still had at the time, I contacted him because I hadn't quite found a new attorney yet. And he goes, oh, I'm sure you're not looking at it right. I said, I'm pretty sure I am because I'm pretty well educated.
2: Yeah, at this point, you know
0: At a this lot. point,
1: I got really educated yeah. in the law. Yeah, And so I brought in what I wrote, and he's looked at it, and he goes, wow, where did you find all this? I said, the law library. <laughs> <laughs> and oh,
0: man.
1: he looked at it, and he looked up, and he goes, she is trying to hear her own objection. So my lawyer rewrote a little bit in mm-hmm. lawyer language. Right. Submitted it and all of a sudden it was going to be heard in front of the judge. I said, oh, isn't that amazing when there's a lawyer behind it, what she's not trying to do now.
2: Exactly.
1: So then we had um, yeah. a hearing um, via WebEx because there was still in the safe at the house because I hadn't removed him Bowie knives. And he's not allowed to have Bowie knives. And there were bullets in the safe because I hadn't taken those because it said I couldn't. They right. were his property. Yeah. But um, I could not give him the code to the safe yet because he had threatened me uh, into, well, he had coerced me into trying to get the little box checked on the protective order when we got divorced of getting that gun box checked. He knew. Yeah. I didn't.
2: Yeah,
1: And so the judge had totally said no, just because I had to follow the court order did, does not mean that the judge did not have to follow. So he denied. Oh, wow. So I did not have to give the code yeah. to the safe. Okay. So he tried holding me in contempt of court that I didn't do everything I could to get that yeah. box checked. Well, I can't control what a judge does. Right. So I didn't have to give him the code to the safe. So in this hearing, he wanted the code to the safe. So I was doing the talking because I still had my nice gentleman lawyer and they were wanting the code to the safe. And I said... I believe that would take a modification of the divorce decree. And the commission was like, well, I'm going to hold you in contempt. I said, I'd like you to try
0: because
1: <laughs> now I got some backbone because I.
0: Yeah, at this point.
1: At this point, I'm like, I don't yeah. care. I This is wrong. The, you can't do this. And I said, there are Bowie knives in there and there. And I had taken pictures of what was left in the safe and there are firearms. And I said, that is constructive possession, which he cannot have. And there is not a black and white on this. Yeah. Your Honor, oh, well, do you have pictures? I said, I sure do. And so his lawyer is saying, why isn't your lawyer talking? And h- my lawyer at the time said, I believe she's doing a very good job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she's just doing great, so let and her keep going. So wow. that's amazing. we
1: were at a standstill. Mm-hmm. And so then in the meantime, I got a new lawyer. And my new lawyer actually looked at my divorce decree and said it was an illegal order because if I had given him the guns... I would have been giving guns to a restricted person, and I could have been charged for giving guns to a restricted person. Oh, my gosh. Yes. What
0: a, what a confusing thing. I mean, all of it. like. So I have
1: so educated myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And number one, I believe that when... Domestic violence occurs with a weapon. We are one of the states that does not go in and remove firearms. Utah needs to be a state yeah. that goes in and removes firearms. Right. No, if a firearm is used, they re- need to remove the firearm. For sure. And they're gone. Yeah. And number two, that box. Needs to be gone. It just needs to be an automatic that they cannot just automa- have exactly yes. no box to check or not. Just, right, it's and it needs to be. And number three, prosecutors need to have accountability for what they charge, don't charge, because that prosecutor did not listen to me. She did not charge him correctly, and then she told me she intimidated me. She said, "Oh, do you want to go testify? Do you want to testify?" I have the ultimate say in what I plea bargain and what I charge him with. And I said, I will be more than willing to testify. I said, he broke my arm. I have nine plates and a pin. Yeah. I will be more than willing. How does he justify what he did to me? Yeah. And he tried saying, because I know him, he tried saying it was only one time. Well, it wasn't. He There was... Another time that he had hit me so hard, it had ruptured my eardrum and I had um, a big bruise on my cheek. And the next day, I, he's like, you have dirt on your cheek. And I said, no, it's a bruise from you. He goes, oh, well, you must have, you you must have done something that you deserved it. Man. So it was always my fault.
0: Yeah. I've, I've heard it said before, and you probably know this better than I do, that the the abuser always blames the victim.
1: Absolutely. To this day, he still does. Because when he filed last year, as soon as he could to get the civil protective order dismissed, he filed it. He represented himself. He stated that he was the victim in all of this. Hmm. Those are the words that came out of his mouth. And that's, what makes him the most scariest of abusers? He has stalked me. He has broken the protective order and they will not enforce my protective orders. I was told
2: mm-hmm.
1: I can enforce my own protective order. Yeah. How can I enforce my own protective order? I can't put him in jail. Right. I can hold him in contempt of court, but what does that do? Right. Man. I have a criminal protective order. They The judicial system puts protective orders in place for a reason. They need to be enforced. Yes. Wow. So I just took him to court on my criminal protective order to get the gun box checked and to have it state, refer to the state law as to what any and all other weapons are, and it was granted. Hmm. In that one, he represented himself also. He showed up and said, mind you, it's attached to his conviction Mm -hmm. for domestic violence so the judge could see it, knows what it's there for. He stated, I don't even know why we're here, Your Honor. This is a waste of time. This order is going to go away in three years. And then he read some code which referred to the civil protective order and he had an attitude the judge said that's not the order that I issued another judge ordered that and I believe you're referring to the civil protective order this one is a criminal protective order and this is a lifetime one then he stated well I'm not even here in Utah so I'm not even around well I had seen I'm friends with people of his on Facebook I saw that he was at Little Sahara the weekend before and he was with his son who has the guns and we would always use the guns when we'd go in the razors. So I told my lawyer, I said, he was with his son, I'm concerned he's around the guns. So my lawyer looked him up. He got some type of alcohol citation. So he's back doing exactly the same type of behavior. So Mm -hmm. my lawyer said, well, he was just here this past weekend and he's doing the same type of behavior so the commi- the judge ordered that my motion be granted and that it refer to the state laws to what any and all other weapons are yeah and he- my ex then made a remark oh so if i'm out mowing my lawn does that make my lawn mower a deadly weapon That is his take on this whole whole thing. thing. He does not take it serious. No accountability. None. And he never will. Yeah. And he, to this day, still stalks me, calls some of my friends, asks about me, knows everything that I'm doing. He has tried getting three stalking injunctions on me every time he was on probation. And he would do something. I would call his probation officer and she would tell him. And there was nothing, nobody would do anything about it. Man. And so I'm trying to get the laws changed that victims have rights because right now it's criminals seem to have more rights than victims. Yeah. And that is not right.
0: Yeah. Well, I know you're you're an advocate now and you're trying to make changes. Obviously, you're very passionate about it and I see why you are. And I'm glad that you are trying to do this I know there's certain things that you want uh, legislation to change and and to and to change around domestic violence, particularly. Can you maybe kind of review some of those things that you want to see? You already mentioned a couple, but how do you? How would you like to see this change overall?
1: Um, the first change is I want a task force that set that is set up by the legislator that they meet six times a year, and they hold prosecutors accountable Mm. they have to show every domestic violence case that has come forward to them and they have to show accountability of when they dismiss it and why what they charge and why and when they plea bargain and why and there has to be accountability and I want standards raised on the charges because right now in Utah to have a felony charge they either have to have a gun, or they have to permanently disable. That is the only time they get a felony charge. Mm. Yeah. Or if they have a previous domestic violence conviction within five years, okay, then it's enhanced by one degree. So it's not even necessarily then yeah. a felony. It could be a second.
0: Could be a second degree
1: misdemeanor. Then it's yeah. up to a first degree. We need to take this seriously. It needs to be. We have a no tolerance for drugs. Why do we have a no tolerance? Why do we not have a no tolerance for domestic violence? Yeah. Seems like when we put the word domestic in front of it, it's not taken seriously. Yeah, it's
0: almost, yeah. Wow, you know, I I was in some of my little bit of research, and you would know this better than I do, but uh, what I found is one in three Utah women will experience some domestic violence in her lifetime, and 40% of adult homicides in Utah are domestic vi- vi- uh, violence-related. Correct. I mean- that is a lot. One in three. Yes. That is just basically common. Yes. Happens all the time. And one in four men. And you know, and you know this better than I do, but I, I was kind of shocked by that statistic. Yes. That it was that frequent and that many people deal with it. Yes. So obviously it's a serious problem. I mean, you know, you're, you're now disabled because of it and the things that you're trying to get accomplished and you're climbing this uphill battle. It feels like, right? You're climbing mm-hmm. like this Mount Everest of people telling you, "Well, hey, I'll get, to, I'll get, I'll get back with you." We've talked about this before. Right? We got the on.
1: UDVC, and yeah. I'm going to say it here. They told me they would get back to me, and that was clear back in January. I have heard nothing back. I've emailed, 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 nothing.
0: Yeah. No one wants to step up. No
1: one wants to step up. No one wants to get the facts out there. All they want to do is stick you in a shelter. How does a shelter fix you getting help and stopping domestic violence? All it does is give power to the abuser. We need to be able to keep women and children in their home, in their environment, instead of uprooting them. Right. We need to put the perpetrator maybe in a shelter where they don't get to have all their belongings and they're locked away behind a gate in a prison cell and take this seriously.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, you know, maybe teach the women a career that they can provide for themselves and the children aren't living in poverty and, you know, get financial aid for them instead of putting them in homeless shelters where... homeless shelters they're getting raped and abused there also yeah and then the other thing that really bothers me and i've had discussions with this is if a woman goes back to her abuser which a woman will usually go back to her abuser i'm the rare case i didn't go back and the reason i didn't because i almost did because i did not know what to do is the police officer came back the next day And had to have the report signed. And he talked to me because I said, I don't know what to do. And he said, if this is the first time you have called and this is what he did to you. Because he said, I know it didn't just start off with him breaking your arm. He said, there's been tons and tons of incidences. And I said, yes, there was. I just never called. He said, if you let him back, he will kill you. And those words were so profound to me. I don't I can't think that police officer enough. Yeah. And so I didn't. I never talked to him again. I went the next day, which was cuz sa- this happened Saturday, officer came Sunday. I went Monday and got a protective order on him and never talked to him again. Wow. It takes women f- between 5 to 7 times to leave their abuser. But see, DCFS, if a woman goes back to her abuser and abuse happens again, then they charge the victim with failure to protect their children. So again, they're victimized by the system. Why are they not charging the abuser with abuse? Right. So that's why women go back and stay and don't report. DCFS needs to look at... Why aren't we getting the abuser out of the home? Why aren't we charging the abuser? So then the women lose their children. Yeah. So there needs to be... This whole system needs to be revamped. Yeah. Because you cannot be held responsible for someone else's actions. Right. Yeah. And that's what the system seems to do. Yeah. You know, and the first therapist that I went to he looked at me and he said why would someone well educated and as beautiful as you let someone do this to you like it was my fault
0: man so really again the whole thing seems broken it does you know because t- comments like that and you victim know, blaming victim blaming and you know People telling you, "Yeah, I'll get back with you," and then no, you know, and then crickets after that, and and you already blame yourself shows, enough. You yeah. already
1: feel guilty. You already feel like you're not enough, you know. And they, they tear you down. They tear you down. They tear you down. They make you feel like you're nothing. And then they wonder why the suicide rate among victims is so high. Yeah. And then I did counseling for a year at Safe Harbor, and there was this video which was so profound of said why don't you leave and it was because you fell in love with a person that wasn't real and you all they'll give you glimpses of that person and so you want that person to come back yeah and it's because you loved that person you fell in love with
0: yeah and there's always that hope that it's going to change and everything will be okay and you know wow
1: And they'll give you just enough glimpse and hope, but that person never comes back.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, I love that you are trying to make a change. I can't imagine how frustrated you feel (laughs) um, because of all the everyone putting you off and not really following through for you. But I do, I mean, I'm sure women listening to this right now who have been through what you've been through are grateful that there is someone like yourself that's at least trying yes. and 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 going forward and trying to make changes and this and that and because again if if, if what you do, um, Yvonne, that you know, if that helps someone down the road, I'll have to go through what you did, I would imagine you would think that would be worth it, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean there were times I didn't want to live and if it hadn't been for my therapist um, I'm writing a book about what I've gone through and about how I've, you know, more about the judicial system and how I felt and, mm-hmm. you know, how to um, work on yourself and yeah. just the whole scenario. Yeah. And hopefully other women can relate to it Yeah, because it's a process. You have your good days. You have your bad days. I it's a imagine. roller coaster. Yeah. And even now today, you know, he still isn't leaving me alone and it's four years. Um I still live in fear, but I'm gonna go down fighting. <laughs> you yeah. know, I Yeah. I always tell my children if I end up getting killed, they know who it is. <laughs> but I'm gonna yeah. go down fighting. I'm not gonna live in a corner afraid anymore like I did for two yeah. years.
0: Man. Well, I just, just what you said, that's hard to even listen to. Meaning, you know, if I was to die, you know, you guys probably know what happened and but for you to go, you know what, I don't care, I'm gonna keep fighting and make changes and that that's really inspiring to me, honestly. I'm almost out of words. I don't know <clears throat> there's so much suffering in this world, unfortunately. In, in all areas of life you know and this is one of them mm-hmm. obviously for you and but but again it always just blows my mind that you're sitting here even talking to me at, at the end of the day like you're willing to actually come on here get vulnerable and share with what you've been through
1: it's taken a while yeah <laughs> uh, it's taken a while I mean I had friends people turn on me um like it was my fault you know they even said I fell and broke my own arm Um, and I thought what are they saying and then he actually wrote it in affidavit that I fell and broke my own arm and that was just like being punched in the stomach Mm -hmm. Um, you know the trust I had in him that um, it took away me being able to believe that I loved someone that I thought loved me back could just be so cruel and turn on me and that everything I thought about him and what he had told me about himself, I finding out was a lot of lies. Yeah. And so it's been really hard for me to retrust. And so I'm learning to pay a lot closer to my intuitions yeah. and not words but actions. Actions, exactly. Because people can say words, he would always say he was sorry. He was sorry. He was sorry. He was sorry. But then he would turn around and do the same thing over yeah. and over and over again.
0: You know, the clients I work with who have gone through similar things, you've gone through. You know, it's I always like to say, believe the red flags, not the apologies. Exactly. Because again,
1: apologies mean ap- nothing.
0: Apology means nothing. But they, but but the apology is a way to manipulate, to you know tug on your heartstrings a little bit. Yep. Give me another shot or. Yes. You know, help me out here, and it, it won't happen again. That kind of stuff. But, yes. And I think, like you said, when someone's going through it, it's it's like you fell in love with the idea of who this person you thought was. Yes. And you keep thinking, you know, the apology kind of like makes you feel like, okay, maybe that's coming back.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe that's okay. Maybe we are move. We're, we're beyond this bad stuff. Now it's going to be good from here on out, and then. Right. It, And then it happens again and then again and again.
1: And I read this book by Lundy Bancroft, and Mm -hmm. it's called Why Do They Do That? And that book was so profound because it described I mean, that could have been a book about me.
2: Yeah.
1: And he was a therapist that Mm -hmm. did therapy with people that were in jail. So that was court ordered, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And he studied them for 20 years and then he even talked to the victims. And he said there you cannot change an abuser. they do not change like less than five percent will actually change yeah. And when I realized that, I mean because I still have feelings for him yeah because we did have good times together. yeah, sure. but that bad outweighs the good so much yeah. more. Wow. But I've found a good man now and he treats me wonderful. So
0: yeah, Good for you. Congrats yeah. on that. I'm yeah. happy to hear that. Well, you know, so what do you I mean obviously you're an advocate now for domestic violence. you're trying to make changes. Um, but like what do you what do you do just for your own self-care now? You know, I know you're passionate about that and you got purpose in that because of what you went through. but what do, what do you do? on a daily basis to kind of for your own self care to kind of, you know, take care of your own mental and emotional and spiritual side of things.
1: Uh, right now I'm writing the book. So that's been helping okay. me to get out my emotions. Yeah. Um, the therapy I did for a year, I, I didn't realize I had crashed and I crashed and burned cause I had stuffed it all and not really dealt with mm-hmm. it. Cause when yeah. I was working, cause I was still able to work a little bit. Yeah. until the car accident and then it totally made it. And so I had just stuffed and stuffed and stuffed. And, you know, I, I never hated him. And so I never went through that emotion of hate.
2: Yeah.
1: Because um, for me, that's carrying the baggage for me, not yeah. him. And I feel sorry for him. I pray for him that someday he can deal with what he's done. And that he can better himself and not do this to another woman.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And that he can get the help for whatever he's needing to drink that right. much for.
0: For sure, yeah.
1: And I spend a lot of time with my grandkids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good therapy, for sure.
1: <laughs> I have my four-year-old that calls me, Grandma Bonbon. can you come see me? And I'm like, sure when? She goes, right now.
2: <laughs> I love it.
1: And then I have a seven-year-old that... I pick him up on Wednesdays and Thursdays and mm-hmm. spend time with the, him. And then my 12-year-old, yeah. she's kind of independent. so Yeah, okay. So I do a lot of that. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, it really is amazing that you're here and, you know, and for, again, for your passion and desire to make changes. And hopefully, like, even just you sharing on this belief cast today, you know, when it gets out to all of our listeners that uh, maybe it touches the right ears that can maybe help you in this cause. And I you know, if there, if you are listening to this and you know you can maybe help help her out in what she's trying to do, yes, yeah, so I would appreciate any please reach help. Out to her. And yeah. then
1: my book will be coming out within the next couple of months. So
0: Do you have a title yet? Can you it's share called that with us?
1: And with a broken wing.
0: Oh, wow. Yes,
1: yeah, so and my cover's getting drawn by one of oh. my best friends who's a well known artist. She does a lot of Artwork for the Underground Railroad.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: So she's a fantastic yeah. artist. Yeah, And that's my very book's cool. in editing right now. So, yes, and if anyone needs help, I'm here day and night to help anyone. So
0: I've how helped. would they reach out to you if they uh, wanted to get a My email
1: address is my first name, which is Yvonne. It's Y-V-O-N-N-E. And then it's R is in Roger, Z as in zebra, R as in Roger at gmail.com. Like I said, I'm okay. here to help anyone. I do know the laws. I'm not a lawyer. But like <laughs> my new lawyer says, I'm very adept in the law. <laughs> he said yeah. I should have been a you lawyer. You should have been one, yeah. But I was younger, I'd go back to law school.
0: Well, I'll put that in the show notes too so people can link to it. So we'll make sure that they have that when we go live um, officially with this. And But yeah, I, I would you know encourage anyone who may be going through the same thing, or has question because they know someone that's going through it to reach out to you. And, yes,
1: and, and don't keep it to yourself. Um, I kept it to myself until it it exploded and got really bad. Get a safety plan in place. Start mm-hmm. stocking money aside if you can, so that you're not financially dependent on them. And you know, try to not be the one that leaves the house. Make them leave.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of little things that people don't think about as right. they're going through this. But this is where you could be a very good help for all of mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, I, you've already shared some amazing advice. Um, but I want I want to ask you one kind of final question. If there's someone listening to your voice right now who is in that dark place and they they're just there they feel stuck uh, or whatever it is what's the one thing that you could maybe tell them right now that may be helpful for them
1: you're not alone um i was in that dark place and mm-hmm. i almost took my life and then if you're not religious or not um i am but i prayed and mm-hmm. There was angels around me and that is what saved me and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. So just ask God or the angels or whatever religious entity you believe in and they will help you. And they can make the situation better for you in a way that you might even not know. Just ask for it to be helped and not ask for a specific because only god or the entity knows how to fix it and and it will they can make help you through it
0: love that beautiful advice very well said (laughs) thank you well yvonne i i can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today and being on the show that means a lot to me that you'd come on here and be vulnerable Uh, that's really what the audience that i have is looking for is they're you know they're struggling with some things and this is one that uh, I've had a few people on before you that have been through similar and it's always been very well received and just like we needed to hear that thank you for sharing thank so you. thank you for doing this
1: thank you for having yeah. me yeah
0: and congrats on doing a book i think that's amazing i think that that gives that leaves a legacy you know when you're when you know 100 years from now when you and i are both not here Right. Your book lives on. Your story lives on, and it's going to help someone a hundred years from now, even. Right, because it's not to mind.
1: focus on the negative, yeah. but the positive that comes from it.
0: Exactly, exactly. So I'm, I'm glad you're doing that, and I think that's great. And, and like I said, we'll have your email on the show notes so people could reach out to you and ask you questions and that kind of thing. But uh, I, I don't know. My heart, my heart <laughs> is just oh, I. I'm just, again, I'm sorry you've gone through all of that, but at the same time, I'm glad that you are now an advocate in trying to make changes here. So if this Thank can you. help in any way, I'll I'll consider this a, a success. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being Thank on you. the show. Thank you. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, man, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to put into words what I'm feeling right now. But, uh, again, I'm just grateful for people who are willing to, you know, share with what they've been through it really does show that the human spirit is so strong uh, despite when you're going through it you may not feel that way but man it's just amazing like people like Yvonne and, and what she's doing so just if you're if you are struggling just know you're not alone like she said I'm here for you she's here for you anything that we can do to help you I love you guys thanks for tuning in week after week thanks to my sponsors for believing me that means a lot as well and you know I love you guys and until next time thanks again